come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. I'm just gonna bash your brains. Steady as a rock. Yeah, but I shoot with this hand. Game over, man. Game over. One thing about living in Santa Carla, I never could some. All the damn vampires. And I'm all out of bubblegum. There's a commercial that I have to hear all the time about ordinary eyes talking, getting their erections. I'm like, stop. Every time I get in the car, it's always on the ESPN channel that I'm listening to, and it's just nonstop. Every time. That, and there's a divorce uh, commercial that I have to listen to every time, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, Cordell and Cordell? Yeah, Cordell and Cordell. And then it goes, also, I'm not licensed in North Carolina. I'm like, then why are you fucking laying this commercial? I'm not licensed in your state, but if you're in Missouri... I'm <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm like, I don't, why, I don't stop. I have to hear this every time I get in the car. This is why I listen to podcasts. But it's effective marketing for an attorney. You know why? why because whenever you ever think about going there, you have that name stuck in your head. Radio works well. Still does. I'm, I'm glad for it. I still listen to radio occasionally. I don't listen to like radio music stations. I just listen to Spotify if I'm listening to music. But for like talk radio... So, Jason, I know you'll end up asking questions, but uh, who would you rather have a chance with, Dolores or Baby Herman's Handler? They look so similar. Wait, right, who's Dolores? Help me. Oh, Dolores, oh, his, uh, oh, no, oh the Baby Handler. Herman's Handler, man. The Handler all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And on that note, welcome to Direct to VHS Podcast. I am your host, Jason, and with me tonight is Tyler. Tyler, where are you moving all of your stock to? Game stock? Or sea shanties on the internet that I see everywhere. Oh, man. I'm going crypto, baby. All right. So, Trey, where are you moving your sock to? AMC or Deshaun Watson going to the Panthers? Oh, all my socks going to Watson. Almost got Stafford last weekend. I would have been happy. Maybe but we're not getting Deshaun. Maybe it wasn't meant to be so we could get Deshaun. Maybe. How crazy would that be? I'd be okay with it. Well, depending on what we lost, but you know what I mean. That's going to be a huge package. Uh, Tom? Or are you moving your stock to Dogecoin or TB12? I'm taking all my stock, putting it in my pockets, and going to live with a man down by the river. And with the three T's, we have Jason, the man with a 50-year-old libido and a three-year-old dinky. That's pretty funny. This movie's <laughs> rated PG. It's worse than Beetlejuice. And there's a fucking Beetlejuice. I mean, nice fucking model. <laughs> and then he grabs his crotch. Rated PG. How long has it been since you guys have seen this movie? Probably 20 plus years. Tom, you're the one that uh, suggests this movie. You remember the last time you, you watched this one? I've seen it like in passing, like probably, you know, not just like purposely sat down and watched it. I probably like with it for one time within the first, like the last 10 years. And okay. I saw like a couple times, like, you know, between, you know, the first time I saw it and yeah, no, I mean, I it just always I always remember it, but then like you sometimes you just forget it. Try you remember last time you saw it? It's been two or three, four years since I've seen it. I haven't seen. It's probably been ten years since I've seen this movie. To be honest with you, dang, that's a lot for you, man. I know. It's just this movie. I remember watching it so much when I was a kid. I remember like renting it a lot. I remember it being on television a, a decent amount. I remember Had those going blurry to friends. Spots and, yeah, well, we'll talk about that too. <laughs> The laser disc was also pretty infamous for it, too. Uh, yep, yep. <laughs> I honestly don't remember the first time I saw this movie. That's how I think that's how long this movie's kind of been a part of my life. Like, I like I just I've ever since I can remember, I've seen the movie. Like, I just cannot remember it. I like frequently, at least I guess two to four years, we'll rewatch the movie again. You guys ready to break this movie down? 
No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. No, you're not. Yes, I am. <laughs> no, you're not, dude. Yes, I am. God damn it. We're starting this podcast right fucking now. Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Based on the book Who Censored Roger Rabbit. Was released June 22nd, 1988. This movie was made for $50 million. I thought it was $70 million. Uh, see, I saw $70 million on IMDb, but everything else is saying $50 million. Oh, okay. Fucking liars. Yeah, exactly. Maybe it was an inflation thing. I don't know. I know it was expensive, a very expensive movie at the time. Also, this movie grossed $329 million at the box office. So slightly more than it cost. A little bit, a little bit. Came in second that year to the movie Rain Man. It was also accompanied by the short The Cat Came Back. Remember they used to have cartoons at the beginning of movies? Remember those days? The last time I saw a, a cartoon open for the main uh, feature film was uh, The Killing Joke. Everything from start to finish was that. It made me really, really fucking sad. That movie sucked. It was bad. <laughs> well, like the, like, the movie itself, I say more or less, just didn't translate well to screen. On top of it was bad. And then the intro uh, cartoon was just the dumbest piece of shit I've ever seen in my entire life. So, Remember that time that Bruce movie. Wayne had sex with Barbara Gordon? Because that happens in that movie. And I, it, she ain't, you know, it's not like she's fucking Nightwing or anything. No. Whatever. Different movie, guys. Different movie. I, th- I apparently missed out on some stuff. I have no idea what anything. It was a Batman animated movie. So, did you guys see who they, uh, they originally wanted to play Eddie in this movie? Yeah, Bill fucking Murray. Yeah, and apparently he was upset about it because he never got it never got to him. Because he 100% would have done it. He's famously, because he doesn't have an agent. He just does whatever. And if you can't get a hold of him, then you're not going to be able to cast him in your movie. I'm so torn about it, right? Because, like, I agree, like, he would have made he would have made Eddie Valiant. I mean, like, no, no, you know, no disrespect to Bob Hoskins or anything because, you know, this I love this movie. But, like, he... he it, I don't know. Like, it's weird because, like, I feel like it kind of shifted the, the attention away from the cartoons and more yeah. to Bill Murray. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I also sometimes don't like to think about changes in, like, movies I really, really, really love. Like, I'll hypothetically, like, think about it for a second, but I'm like, no, I don't want to think about the reco- repercussions of it. I think I think Haskins did a really good job here. So they also tried to tap... Well, Harrison Ford was also who they wanted for this movie a lot, too, but he was too expensive. And they had Eddie Murphy. He turned it down. He said he kind of regrets that. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of people that they were chosen, and uh, Tim Curry was actually a uh, audition for Judge Doom. They said he was too scary. That uh, makes sense. Yeah, I was about to say, well, I mean, Christopher Lloyd did a really good job though. Yeah, like, I mean, of he's course, scary. Christopher Lloyd worked with Robert Zemeckis on Back to the Future. So Robert Zemeckis was trying to make this movie for a while, but Disney kept turning him down because his movies all flopped before. Uh, they wanted Terry Gilliam to do it. Uh, and Terry Gilliam turned it down because he said, in his words, I was just complete laziness because I knew it was going to be a pain in the ass to make. Who's Terry Gilliam? He's uh, the only American Monty Python member. Directed 12 Monkeys, Brazil, which I love. It's a great movie. A lot of really good stuff. Uh, oh, The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus, that movie that Heath Ledger died on. Uh, so yeah, but then he made Romancing the Stone, which is Raiders of the Lost Ark Light, and a little movie called Back to the Future. And Disney was like, hey, let's get back in that Robert Zemeckis business we keep hearing about. Isn't this the exact same shit that Disney did to Tim Burton too, though? You ask and ask and ask, and then you do something good, and they're like, oh, hey. Like Tim, because Tim Burton worked for, well, it's a little different because Tim Burton worked for Disney, and he was proposing Nightmare Before Christmas over and over and over again, and they're like... Yeah, no, push it aside, push it aside. And then he he did uh, 
Keep Edward doing your Pee Wee Herman movies. And then he, he did Edward Scissorhands, and then he did um uh, the Batman movies, which were obviously huge. And then after the Batman movies blew the fuck up, all of a sudden Disney's like, hey, didn't you, wasn't there a movie that you were like interested in doing? Yeah. That's what Disney. And then does. he's like, "Yeah, I'm busy now doing all these other movies, and I'll just let my 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 my, my peons make it, and I'll put my name on it." It's also funny how Disney kind of later fucked over Warner Brothers with with this movie. We talking Who Framed Roger Rabbit? We talking we talking this movie, or they? So they had a handshake deal with Warner Brothers. They didn't. I guess Warner Brothers didn't really make any money. They just kind of gave them the licensing rights for this movie. And uh, when Space Jam came out, they went to Disney and were like, "Hey." Would you like to put a? We would like for you have shut a, the fuck up. We they would like to over? have yeah. We would like to have a Disney character. I think it would be a really good idea. And Disney was like, nah, fuck that bullshit. Disney pulled a new phone who diss on them after us. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so like I like but my, my I think my favorite trivia thing about this is what uh, WB stipulation was. So if you notice any true Disney character, they're always side by side with a Warner Brothers character, and it's because like Warner Brothers had said they had to have the exact same screen time. That's why I like Daffy and Donald are side by side. That's why Bugs and Donald are side by side. Porky and uh, and Tinkerbell at the end. They also said that that's why they're that's part of the reason there wasn't a sequel is because uh, there had to be a co-star. Co-star would have to be Mickey. Really? Like for Roger Rabbit, like they'd have to be like team, like a duo. Huh. I know, right? Because their their personalities are so same, right? Roger Rabbit doesn't really even seem like a Disney character. I mean, he seems like a total like a Warner Brothers Looney Tunes kind of character. You know, he doesn't seem like a Mickey Mouse kind of thing, or maybe like a Tex Avery kind of character. You know, Te- he's more Tex Avery. Yeah. I agree with that. And uh, of course, Zemeckis even also made Warner Brothers a little mad when uh, they originally wanted the uh, Clampett Daffy Duck in the movie from the '40s, which make it like time correct. But they demanded it was the the modern one, so they gave him the sales from the modern one. But when the movie came out, he said, "Fuck it, we're going back to the nineteen forties one." Uh, you guys ready for the the movie part? So the movie opens on Roger Rabbit babysitting Baby Hermit. Uh, this first time you see Roger, and it's a pretty funny little short. Reminds me of like all those like Looney Tunes shorts, Tom and Jerry. Tom and Jerry, yeah, definitely. Sylvester and Tweety kind of too. Is it bad that I wanted to see the kid bite it so bad? Like I felt actually, I felt so bad for Roger. I just wanted the kid to fall. You know, they're doing the short, and all of a sudden, Roger gets a... The refrigerator drops on his head, and uh, the director yells, cut. And then, of course, apparently the lines, he was supposed to be... It was supposed to be stars, not birds! Yeah, he's ruined his lines. And, of course, the director just screams at him. And then Roger's uh, running after him, and he keeps hitting his head with a frying pan. Apparently, CTE is not something that uh, cartoons have to worry with. Or maybe they do, and that's how you get Roger Rabbit. I mean, let's be honest. (laughs) So uh, then you get to see the detective uh, He's set in Hollywood 1947 Producer calls him to figure out What's going on with Roger's wife Uh, His heart is broken His his wife's kind of going all over the place It sounds like And he's hired to follow her around To see what's going on He wants some nice juicy pictures To show to the director And he gets paid $50 to start out with And and I, I, I guess $50 is quite a bit of money back in the, the 40s. What was it, 47? Let's look up inflation. Well, and how much booze did he drink? Because when he gave her the check for 50 she's like, all right, well, when are you going to have the rest? It's like, well, damn, that seemed like a big job, but... 1940s, $100 is equivalent to 2021, uh, $1,860. His bar tab was $800, $900? It was at least... Eight fifty. So he gets paid fifty dollars. Walking around, 
Fat cat style. Pretty good. So he's walking around the, the lot with all the cartoons running around. The producer throws peanuts at Dumbo because that's what he works for. I got him on loan from Disney. And the best part is they work for peanuts. So then he tries to get on the, the bus and he holds up a check. The bus driver goes, what do I look like, a banker? And he shuts the door in his face. And then so he just like, well, screw you. And then he gets on the back of the, the bus. Smoking stokes with the kids, man. Yeah. 40s. Everybody's just smoking cigarettes. That's so cool. I mean, but the kids had, like, they were like, yeah, man, yeah, here, take two with you. I mean, it was it was Green Central, early 2000s. I was about to say, don't you remember, like, stu- students giving teachers cigarettes when we were in high school? I remember teachers giving students cigarettes yes. <laughs> for their breaks, too. Yeah. Like, I mean, it just is great. Classic. Oh, rural North Carolina high schools. What are you doing out here smoking? I mean, you want a cigarette? All right, fine. You're getting off light. It's more like, what are you doing out here smoking without me? Yeah. <laughs> what it is. There was also there was also a teacher that will always remain nameless, who was one of my favorite. Every time I was late for, for school, I, instead of just being five minutes late, I'd make sure I was like an hour late, but I'd bring her a biscuit. And then she'd yell at me and be like, so I got you a bacon, egg, and cheese from McDonald's. And she's like, all right, go sit down. You're okay. <laughs> but that's when you had those long, luscious locks, though, right? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And I had that Beach Boy hair. Trey, were you the type that like wore the collared shirt, like, puka shell necklace? Oh yeah, he Three was popping collars too. Oh yeah, like ready to fight at any time, ready to pop off. I want to fight her, but yeah, I was definitely puka shell necklace. The shirt buttons differed on the day, but usually an undershirt, obviously, because it was early two thousands. So oh, definitely. But then you went through like wearing nothing but blackface for. I think we went through your closet one time and you realized you had a problem when all of your clothes had skulls on it. So what you don't realize is when you start losing your hair at 18, uh, you start seeing the darker side of life. (laughs) And... uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so everything was either black or red skulls. I kind of grew out of it. my old friend. <laughs> <laughs> so Eddie grows up to the bartender, uh, who, as Tyler said earlier, owes a lot of money to because it's Friday. You know what happened? You know what else happens on Friday? Your bills do. And you owe $900. <laughs> I'm going to need that. Yeah. Also, did y'all notice that? Like, so she, he goes to take a shot, right? So he's, he's heading to take a shot, and like the stick is she puts her hand over the shot and is like, Brings up his bill, and then it cuts scenes, and he just has a fucking chalice full of, I guess, beer. I saw that too. It was just like literally like a pimp chalice, yeah, of beer. But like it was still weird. Like where the fuck did that come from? I mean, he does have a good relationship with the bartender, so like he, she you probably mean his ex-wife that he used to own a company with. They never said they were married, did they? Uh, well, I guess not. But they owned a company together, and so like that's actually one of my favorite. It's not the greatest like pan scene of all time, but I think the pan scene that we're gonna get to with the with the new newspapers yeah in his brother's desk it's fucking great yeah 100 percent. yeah so he's being pretty shitty to one of the other patrons who's like kind of giving him shit he knocks the bar stool out from under him and then he slams his head on the uh the bar and he kind of walks away you don't know it yet but he was like he was also making a lot of tune jokes yeah yeah, at, at his expense, which is pretty crucial to the movie. To the movie later, yeah, because uh, we find out a little bit now that a tune dropped a piano on his brother's head. So then he, Eddie leaves. He gets to a speakeasy and says the password of Walt sent me. I love that. Uh, and it's a gorilla who is the bouncer there. And he says, "Nice monkey suit, get it?" Yeah. So we see Daffy Duck and Donald Duck playing dueling pianos. Uh, we also see Betty Boop, who's serving up drinks and cigarettes now, and uh, boop, boop, boop. uh tells him Mr. Acme is always there when Jessica performs. And But the coolest thing about Betty Boop to me, and I was talking to Trey about this earlier, how her voice just didn't sound as crisp as everyone else's, and it's because it's it's the actress that played Betty Boop in the 30s. Yeah, yeah. Like, she was the voice, of, and then she was uh, Olive Oil. 
Oh, I didn't know that part. Yeah. That's cool. They tried to yeah. actually get Popeye in this movie, but they couldn't get the rights for him in time. Who has the rights to him? I have no clue. I guess they didn't get much of Tex Avery either, huh? Yeah. Oh, the not chan- a whole lot. The Chance, the rapper of the 40s cartoon game. So yeah, this Mr. Acme is just doing nothing but pulling pranks on, on Eddie. He does disappearing ink on his shirt that just disappears, and then he gives him the shocker. Not that shocker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Remember those shirts in college? Two in the pink, one in the goo, Shockham ECU. We just, we went to such a classy university. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also like, I think, I think we need to acknowledge, right, so he does see Betty Boop, right? But it, it, he does still have a little bit of a soft spot for cartoons because I think he, like, when, you know, it, it throws him back, right? Because he, she definitely says, you know, since everything with the color, and he goes, yeah. He still got it, you know. Like I, no, I he plays like it well. It was, he play, yeah. he tiptoes the line that he's yeah. supposed to tiptoe perfectly. Yeah, uh, which I don't think Bill Murray could have done. Like I mean, I feel like Bill Murray. I don't know. I feel like Bill Murray could have done it, done it well. But like Hoskins did it on point. Yeah, like, I mean, it was just yeah. You know, no, I think he did a really good job. I I just thought that was funny. Now, like now that I remember, I was like. You know, he does have still a little bit of a sensitive side. Well, like I like a lot of things in this in this scene where like he's referencing that he knows tunes and he knows them well. Yeah. My favorite quote in the whole thing was like "Scotch on the rocks." <laughs> yeah. I mean ice. <laughs> and he and still, he still got gets the rocks. rocks. And it's also it's like she's like the only cartoon that he really shows some warmth mm-hmm. for in the movie. Even you know at the end he kind of does, but I mean up until kind of like the, the final light, that's when he finally starts to. I think it's because of reference because like it was years prior. Oh yeah, definitely. Like he used to. So like he had a soft spot for Betty because that was when he loved tunes. Oh yeah. When when uh, Judge Doom takes the shoe and puts him in the dip, I feel like you could tell that he's a little taken back by that. You know, like maybe not a maybe he's not like showing sympathy for maybe he's empathy for them, right? Yeah. yeah. But like no tune needs to die that way, right? You know, no tunes don't deserve that, even though they're you know some are bad. But, like, what I'm saying about Betty is, like, I really feel like he had a relationship with her because, like, when he loved Toons, Betty was there. Yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. All yeah. the ones now, like, he don't fucking know them. No. Like, the only ones he knows, like, like uh, the only ones I think I remember him referencing is directly, like, obviously Bugs and Daffy and Donald have been around. I remember him referencing Betty and I remember him referencing uh, Tweety Bird. Yeah, and he got the gun from uh, Yosemite Sam. Oh, and Yosemite yeah. Sam. You're right. It, it shows it's a old, he's an old Toon kind of guy. Yeah. So, yes, Jessica Rabbit performs, and that's the sound of every kid hitting puberty in the 80s. I just want to point out yeah. real quick that the uh, movie I, I suggested had this exact same scene, but in human form. Uh, kind of. What movie was that? The Mask. Well, I mean, it was, I, honestly, I feel like it was homage to this exact scene. Like, I really feel like they wanted Cameron Diaz to be Jessica, Jessica Rabbit. Rabbit. Oh, my God. It scene. was 100%. Yes. Uh, at this point, Jessica Rabbit does her little routine, and she leaves. I mean, I watched this with Em, and she was like, yeah, Jessica Rabbit, very attractive. And then Mr. Eitman goes to Jessica's dressing room, and Eddie eavesdrops on them. Uh, the gorilla sees and kicks him out, and of course, uh, what do you think you're doing, chump? Who you call it a chump, champ? Uh, and then, of course, he's in the. He gets thrown out, and he's in the alleyway, and he overhears Mr. Acme and Jessica erotically playing patty cake as she has a, a headache, but she doesn't want to. But she's about to have one, and then it cuts to Roger being beside himself over the producer showing him the pictures that Eddie took. You're selling it short, though, like because like it, like they, it literally sounds like they're having sex, but they're saying patty cake, patty cake. I thought they were banging. Like, yeah. I was surprised. And like, what was the the writer's room sitting on. Okay, so what can we do 
that's like they're not having sex, but they're doing something that's kind of that what are cartoon characters going to consider like very sexy? Patty cake? Patty cake it is. Patty cake it is. It kind of falls into the same thing as the two bits thing, right? The shaving a haircut sure. later. I don't really associate patty cake or shaving a haircut to cartoons specifically. I do now because of this. Yeah. Uh, the producer's comment was hilarious. Like, oh, come on, Roger. You're not the first man whose wife played patty cake on him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he probably thinks it's sex. I guess. You know? Yeah, like, exactly. he, yeah, like he thinks it's sex. And it's funny. That he, no, it is sex. Yeah. It's, it's like it's, it's, it's the equivalent of sex. It's the equivalent of for for, for tones. And it's pretty great because he's looking at the pictures, but he's moved him so fast. You, it's like it animates itself a little bit. Roger gets a, he takes a shot and he turns all different colors and he just runs out of the office. So he'll find a new dame and he'll be happy again and again. But then he flies out of the window and he gets a cartoon silhouette perfectly in the window. I really like that scene. It was a lot. He's a very, very manic. He's saying that him and his, life, his wife will be happy again. You'll see. You'll see. He almost is kind of evil there, which is, I guess, set up for what happens a little bit yeah, later. Yeah, I think that that's a good setup. So then Eddie goes home and he looks over pictures and clippings that show him and his brother worked well together and they were the cartoon uh, deputies cleared goofy of spy charges and it also shows that Dolores worked with them I think it also mentions something about uh, a mouse being in the mayor so maybe I think Mickey Mouse is supposed to be the mayor of Toontown this scene is great I mean it like it, it just covers I want I want to say the whole family history but it covers so much of the family the history of him and his brother and, and obviously Dolores and just their association together and like their history and like how successful they were and how close they were and how actually close they were with tunes prior to, you know, his brother's death. Cause it just covers so much ground in so little time. And it wasn't a cheap like cop out, like a uh, street fighter with their fucking satellite info update. It's a shit movie. <laughs> and so Eddie kind of, he literally nestles up to a bottle of liquor and he just passes out his desk. He is killing the fucking liquor. Oh, yeah, dude. I took so many shots leading up to the night just because, like, he just drank so much. And I, I hate to admit, but I was like, man, I want to drink now. I want to live like <laughs> this guy's living. I just don't have the stomach for that much. Like, that wild, like wild turkey, like double wild turkeys, yeah. like to the brim of a rocks glass. That's rough. Was man. it wild turkey? Yeah. One of, yeah, there's one time it's wild turkey. There's others, but there's wild turkey. scotch. A wild turkey is his holster. His little holster. <laughs> I used to drink that a good bit when I used to watch Hell on Wheels or Mad Men. Like they, they would. There's a lot of shows like that where they'll just drink whiskey like that. It's like, God damn, I'm I'm gonna drink a couple. <laughs> so, guy comes to Eddie's office saying that Roger Rabbit killed Mister Acme last night, and they go to Toontown to investigate his murder scene. Uh, apparently, he dropped his safe on his head, and that body outline is perfect. I've never seen so much gore without a body or, or blood. Yeah. Hey, you just look at that outline, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> that, 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 that fucked him up. Yeah. Uh, and of course, it's funny. They're like playing with all the uh, the acne props. Like they throw a black hole on the wall. Yeah, they got a mallet. He's like, check this out. Yeah. A little punching glove, uh, the boxing glove. Yeah. Just comes springing out yeah. of it. And then Jessica comes down and she slaps Eddie in the face for those pictures he took. At this point, you get to see the cartoon shoes pop out of a box and a buzzer falls from Acme's hand. Eddie goes to grab it and the judge stops him before he can take it. We're just gonna gonna breeze right past the animated Doc Martens doing goose step salutes. Yeah, I noticed that. It was kind of strange. Especially for a Disney movie, right? Which Disney has a history of anti-Semitism. That is the rumor. Well, alright, so they actually kind of look like knee-high like women's shoes. Yeah, and, they did. And and they also, like, they can't do anything but that because they have to stay together. 
Do you really do you I, really think that was anything other than No, the I don't. I'm just I'm I'm offering up another alternative. <laughs> okay. Sorry, is this an argument now or are we just like trying to like defend Disney? It was a hundred percent without doubt Doc Martin's goose stepping like around all these like cute little cuddly. You know what? Fine. Like, Call Walt. Get Walt on the phone. Is that Eisner again? Call up Eisner. Uh so the judge has uh, hired the weasels to find Roger. And this is the part that always sticks with me. He picks up like one of the cartoon shoes and he brings out the dip, which is basically uh, three different kinds of paint thinner is what it is. This made me cry when I was a kid. I'm not even going to lie. Oh, yeah, no, it's a it's a horrible scene. They made sure to make it pull up the strings because it was an innocent cartoon. And then it also had the scene where it was like the innocent dog. Oh, yeah, his just eyes. trying to like cuddle and hide. Super nice. Like He's yeah. like, I'm just scared. I'm just going to hide behind you because you're the closest person. And that person kills him by dipping him in acid. Maybe he had rabies. <laughs> you were in your rabies voice, dude. You knew it was coming. There's, there's no animal. That would have rabies and act that fucking sweet towards you. So then he comes home and he sees a lady light up a cigar. He's She's bending over. He's kind of shaking her out a little bit. And then she gives the, the cigar to a kid. So he freaks out, obviously. But then he realizes it's Baby Herman. Uh, what does Baby Herman say? My problem is I have a 50-year-old lust and a 3-year-old dinky. So is this point that uh, Herman's explaining to Eddie that Roger never would have killed Acme. Um, and that he actually had a wheel... That nobody had ever really seen, but on his death, it would have given Toontown to the Toons. So Baby Herman really brought to light how difficult this movie was to make. You think animation and you think regular live action, and it's just putting them on top of each other. But like Baby Herman always had a real cigar. It wasn't a cartoon cigar. Yeah. Or the octopus had was making real drinks. So for the main characters where there was just like bodily motions like that, they actually had many robots that were controlled by like ventriloquist hands. And so as they were talking, the, the ventriloquist would move their hands so it would like represent it and then they replaced the robot's arms and parts with the animation but because you can't do that with an octopus like the bartender in the speakeasy they actually had puppeteers hold all of the the drinks by strings and uh, by suspension and were holding them and then they filled it in with the octopus hands that is fucking insane yeah they actually made uh bob hoskins go to mime class for a while to get him ready for a that's awesome. For this movie, yeah. Like, he's, I mean, yeah. it's, it works. So he could react appropriately yeah. without having something reacting to him. Yeah. It took like 18 months for them to start doing all this animation after they after they filmed the movie. That's just insane. And honestly, the robots they used for uh, for like uh, the, the cigars and the newspapers and shit that they were holding, way ahead of their time, I feel like. I saw that uh, Bob Hoskins said that he had to like learn how to hallucinate because i mean it was like 16 hours a day and he was just i mean it's kind of like what you what you get taught in mime mime class how to hallucinate i actually actually read somewhere he did hallucinate so like there's one time where he was talking to this woman at some like event and he saw he saw the, the the head weasel like in her headdress or whatever she was wearing <laughs> no shit. And he was like what the fuck <laughs> So Eddie goes into his office and he's looking at the pictures from the uh, the patty cake incident. And he's looking over them and he sees in Mr. Acme's pocket that it says uh, Last Will and Testament on there. So then he realizes that, well, Baby Herman was right, that he, he actually did have a testament or a will and that he was going to give it to the tunes. So then he kind of is like, nah. he kind of shakes it off like he's not going to do anything about it. And then he uh, pulls the bed out and, of course... Roger Rabbit is in his bed and that he got him through the mail slot. Then he says that Roger wrote a love letter for Jessica in a fit of jealousy. 
But right when he's explaining everything to them, the weasels come and they try to uh, get to him and uh, Roger. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I kind of like the weasels. They're just like, they're just dumb enough for you to like enjoy. And they're just dumb enough to miss like everything that they should be, you know, obviously finding. I, I mean, I think it's the dumbest thing ever. Yeah, we're going to kill all the tunes. And they're sitting there like, you know, as tunes. Yeah, let's get them. I did your... You two are a ten. So, but Roger's asking for his help, but Eddie wants none of it because he he thinks that he did kill Mister Acme. So Roger cuffs Eddie, and uh, the weasels show up to Eddie's house and they shoot his doorknob off. They talk to Eddie. He's washing his clothes in the sink which, in order to hide Roger Rabbit from him. And the weasels are asking if he knows where he was, uh, if he's seen Roger Rabbit around, and uh, he's being kind of a jerk to him. So he puts soap in the weasel's mouth. And uh, they all leave. And, of course, they're laughing at everything that happens because they're weasels. I guess weasels laugh. Do you think these guys should have been hyenas instead of weasels? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Did y'all miss that joke? What? Keep making a joke. Y'all keep laughing. You're going to laugh yourselves to death. Oh, they say that a couple times in the movie, yeah. There's one scene where Judge Doom says it. And he's like, y'all want the same thing to happen to y'all that happened to your cousin hyenas? Oh, okay. Gotcha. Uh, so the hyenas already laughed themselves to death. Oh, okay. That makes a lot more sense. So uh, Eddie goes to the bar for Dolores. And Dolores gives a pretty great comment. Is that a rabbit in your You just happy to see me. So they go in and saw off the cuffs. And uh, Roger slips out of his easily. As soon as they sat down, I'd forgotten about it. I was like, he's totally looking out of those cuffs. And just help out Eddie a little bit. I definitely forgot about that from the first time. Or the first few times I saw it. And I was like, yeah, now I remember this. This is not going to be good. What made it so much even better to me is like already it's like perfect like cartoon shtick. But like Valiant's response is like, so you're telling me you could have got out of these cuffs at any time? No. Only when it was funny. <laughs> that is a great written joke right there. <laughs> so he tells the lures to go downtown and check on the probate of Toontown. Oh, probate? Yeah. <laughs> My uncle had to have that exam another day. He just had to take a really big pill and drink lots of water. Did you hear what his uncle's name was? Uh-uh. Uncle Thumper. Oh, wow. Yeah. I missed that. That's hilarious. Yeah. Jessica finally shows up at Eddie's office. She's offering money to find Roger, and that's when you finally get that nice quote, I'm not bad, I'm just drawn that way. Uh, this was number 83 on AFI's top 100 movie quotes. We're also going to, all right, so, so she shows up at his, his office. He's showering. With his towel. With his towel. Yeah, he just hopped out of the shower or whatever he's doing, you know what I'm saying? Provocative situation here. And it just leads up to, like, my favorite quote, which is, Eddie, you dabbling in the watercolors now? <laughs> Yes. Jessica reveals that she was actually told to pose for those pictures by Maroon so she could blackmail Acme. And she says she'd do anything to help her husband, and Dolores walks in, and of course, she says the joke. What was that, Tom? Eddie, you dabbling in watercolors now? And he literally is caught with his pants down. And then she walks out, and she says the offer stands firm. Get it? Talking about his penis. Great dick jokes. Children's movie. So Cloverleaf put in a bid for Toontown. It was what Dolores found out. And they have to find the wheel by midnight or else they will own Toontown. According to the research Dolores did at probate downtown. So they run to the bar to get Roger Rabbit, who was told to keep a low profile, but he wasn't quite doing that. He's uh, singing and dancing and smashing plates on his head. To uh, the tune, Merry Go Round Broke Down. Yes. Okay. 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 <laughs> okay. The judge shows up at the bar. And uh, they see this, and of course they go and they hide in the back. In the gut rot room. Which is basically where, like, if you, if you drank bad liquor, they would try and cut shit out of you, right? Like, I mean, no, like, no, no, like no, the, no, no, no. It was the hooch room during Prohibition. 
Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, it's kind of what. No, they they said it. They said it. It's, it's where they made moonshine during prohibition to serve at the bar. Yeah. So the uh, the judge is telling everybody that there's a reward for Roger's capture, and one of the patrons says he's seen the rabbit and points to another patron, Harvey. You get that reference, right? What? So first of all, it was like the one guy that uh, a valiant knew would turn everybody in for money. And so just so you know, the judge offers five thousand fucking dollars. Five thousand dollars in nineteen forty seven is worth fifty eight thousand four hundred and two dollars. We talking about a drunk just turned down sixty k. To not turn this rabbit in. But, all right, so what I really want to get to, though, and so he's like, he's like, hey, puts his arm around. Uh, he's like, yeah, I saw a rabbit. Yeah, he's even in this bar. And then everybody, like, gets tied up like he's about to rat him out. Puts his arm around like a, 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 a fictitious character. He's like, hey, I want you to meet my friend Harvey. So Harvey Rabbit was actually the imaginary character in the award-winning movie Harvey, which I think was 1949. That's kind of cool. No, I'm sorry, 1950. Academy Award-winning movie named Harvey. And the guy snapped and he had an imaginal rabbit named Harvey. In the whole movie, he has a magical rabbit that's never actually drawn and it's just like talked about. This is the exact reference that it was talking about. That was really cool. Oh, anyway. okay. that's cool. Eventually, the judge begins to do his shave and a haircut bit. So he just keeps knocking on everything in the bar to do the shave and a haircut. And then immediately, Roger just bursts through the wall and does two bits. Great gag. Most importantly, what really upset me is uh, me and Natalie watched this two the four years ago like we talked about. Uh, we watched this again tonight, and I said it as he was doing the tapping, and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, shaving a haircut two bits. She's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, and then I finally did the clap. I was like, <laughs> the words are shaving a haircut two bits. She's like, there's a fucking song to it? So you're still... Engaged. I'm still engaged, but like my fiance had never had heard the tune, but never knew shaving a haircut two bits. Yeah, because I'm gonna go ahead and uh, say I don't know what the fuck. Like, is that like a, a a military tune? No, of course. So the term is shaving a haircut costs two bits, which is, right, and then it turned into a tune for like cartoons in the early. 20s, 30s, where it was like da 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 da. You know that tone, right? Oh, you know I, that. dude, I not every time I knock anywhere, I do that. Yeah. So the yeah. origination is the song "Shave and a Haircut Two Bits," and what you're supposed, supposed to be like a call and response thing. Like right. I would go shave and a haircut, and then Trey would go two, two bits. bits. Yeah, somebody always pops. In. It's it's like Marco Polo. Marco. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like just exactly Polo. like that. Thank you, Jesus Christ. The judge grabs Roger, and he's about to give him the dip, but Eddie decides to give him a drink before he goes, and the judge relents on this, and this is where the classic, uh, you take it, no, you take it, no, you take it, no, you take it, perfect joke. Eddie gets in the fight, and uh, they, the judge and the weasel knock over the dip, and they all run away. They get into the, the weasel's paddy wagon, and out pops a cartoon car, Benny, who's never been in anything other than this movie. Oh, really? Yeah. So yeah, he would have been locked up by the weasels for driving on the sidewalk for a couple miles. You know, nothing's too crazy. Uh, and then they get a cool car chase with the weasels and the cops uh, chasing after him. Uh, they go down an alley, and then of course, uh, Benny goes, that lever, give it a pull. What lever? That one's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I just, and that was such an acme move, man. Just, oh, yeah. I, I used to yeah. love those signs. He didn't say it. He There was literally a sign that popped up and pointed like directly at the lever, and it said, 
that was stupid. <laughs> and that was such a, a staple of of some of that comedy that I used to. Yeah, that I mean that's cl- that's classic uh, Wally Coyote. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. By Roadrunner, kind of yeah, Acme Acme yeah. jokes. Which apparently Wiley Coyote and uh, the Roadrunner were in this movie at the insistence of Steven Spielberg, even though they did not, where they were not created until after 1947. So yeah, he pulls a lever, and then the uh, the car shoots up on like these big, uh, almost like Inspector Gadget wheels, and he goes hey, off. What's the middle of a song? A bridge. And then they drive off into the sunset. I really enjoyed that car chase. It was a lot of it was for me. It was a highlight of the movie. Also, one of the actual, like, towards the end of, like, the, the chase scene when they kind of ride off in the sunset, I think it's revealed that, like, if you ever need a ride, then this is going to be key, stick your thumb out. Oh, and he's, oh, shit. Yeah. I always thought it was a cop out, and they fucking pulled it together. Those God, it's fucking Spiel- I know, it's so fucking, fucking great, Spielberg. isn't it? All right, so then Eddie and Roger are at a theater watching a Goofy short, and uh, Eddie tells Roger the story of the toon killing his brother. Um... They were all chasing after a, a tune that had robbed a bank. And uh, as he got away, he dropped a piano on his brother's arm from 15 stories up. Uh, all he remembers was uh, the red eyes and a high-pitched laugh as he ran as he ran into Toontown. So then Dolores shows up, and they have to get going. They talk about, they have a little bit of a moment, and they almost kiss. And then Roger interrupts, saying, uh, oh, don't mind me. And I just love the fact that like it's like overly cartoonish, right? His eyes are hearts. Yeah, like his, the centers his of his ears. eyes are hearts. His, his ears yeah, are it's, hearts. and the hearts come off. Like it's just fucking like it. It's it's awesome. So some of the documentary talked about that like, I took away that I really didn't know otherwise was apparently like they tried to mimic ballerina dances with uh, his ears to react emotion during the show. As they're leaving the theater, Eddie sees a newsreel that shows R.K. Maroon making a real estate sale for three and a half million dollars, and then he realizes that that's that's the connection. That's the connection. So then they go to R.K. Maroon's office, and uh, someone hits Roger with a frying pan as he's been told to stand out guard. So those are the reactions that, like, obviously you could see Murray doing them, and he would do them well. But, like, that reaction, like, that's, you know, that's the connection in his facial expression. Like, that, they're really good. He just does a great job of them. Like, Bill Murray, like, I'm trying to imagine it in my head. I'm not saying he would be do worse or bad or better. Bill Murray would have been better for Eddie if it wasn't set in the 1940s. Just the fact that it was set in the 1940s makes Bob Hoskins the best possible Eddie Valiant. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I get it. Like, yeah. he really, like, he really, like, epitomizes. Where, actually, it works out better for Bill Murray when it's set in his time and you just wrap the tunes around him like they did in Space Jam. Yeah, whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't know Dan Aykroyd was in this film. <laughs> so, uh, Eddie meets Maroon. It's revealed that Jessica is the one who had the frying pan and hit Roger. And Eddie meets uh, Maroon about the wheel. Uh, it says Maroon couldn't sell his property without Acme selling too, so he planned to blackmail him with the pictures. Uh, before he could finally reveal all of his plan, someone shoots him. And then you see Jessica runs off down the alley in a very frantic way. Well, Eddie went hardcore on this. Like, he was about to, you know, like, the, the tie. Just never wear a tie, man. It is always something you can die from. Like, <laughs> he puts he was, it in the reel. Yeah. yeah and it's oh, just yeah. like, nah. No, he, he went hardcore on this, man. So then Eddie chases Jessica, of course, uh, to the tunnel to Toontown. He finally decides to pull out his cartoon gun, and you can see it in his eyes. Like, he's he's coming around in these tunes once again. I love these bullets. <laughs> no, wait, we're ignoring the fact that, like, he throws away a real gun. 
oh. to pull out a fake to pull out a tune gun that was given to him by Yosemite Sam for well, saving him. And can you kill a cartoon with a real gun? Probably not. Like, it's not. You can't kill a tune though. Like it doesn't matter. You Without can't kill a tune. Period. Dip. The, the dip's dip. the first time they've ever been able to prove that you yeah. can kill a tune. Well, maybe he thinks that you can. You know. But do uh, yeah, dude. These are like the my most. These are this is like one of the best scenes. If I just like opened up the case and the gun was there and the bullets just said like, "Mucket, yeah, let's do it, man. Let's fucking shoot. <laughs> let's go. Let's oh. do it." Like how awesome! I would go shooting every day. I want to get yep. you one up for a present. I mean, you know when you open like a, a gun? No, well, not that. Welcome to North Carolina, man, everybody. That's what we give. That's <laughs> yeah. what we give people. But you know when you open like greetings cars and they sing a song for you? I'm gonna get you yeah. one of those, but where you put your like your bullets in and it goes. I like, don't know, <laughs> but he went that away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Eddie Valiant, ain't you a sight for sore eyes? Or then like when he like, goes to shoot the bottle. So yeah, so he pulls out the gun. All the western, uh, the western tropes uh, bullets jump into the revolver. He closes it. He goes to take a swig of drink, but instead he pours it out. Because he's doing what he loves again, which is protected yeah. cartoons. Throws it in there, and when he shoots it, uh, the Native American bullet flies out and does, does his war cry, and instead of shooting it, just hits it with a fucking tomahawk. Yeah. It's great. Yep. It is pretty awesome. Eddie drives into Toontown. Uh, did anybody else think that there was like going to be a train coming at him while he was driving down the tunnel? No, but they should have. That would have been yeah. amazing. So as soon as he gets into Toontown, uh, everything just starts smiling and singing to him. Which, cause I wish this was my life. Every time I go outside, just the trees, no, the fuck birds. that. It is annoying. And so he gets on the elevator. So he sees Jessica's silhouette in a window. And so he runs upstairs, and in Droopy, Droopy Dog is the elevator attendant. And, of course, he's in, in typical Droopy Dog fashion. What does he say, Trey? Going up, sir. So he gets up to the elevator, and he gets to... Where he sees Jessica's silhouette, but it's not, it is not at all. It turns out to be a very unattractive lady. Uh, Nelly actually wrote a song about these kind of people. Uh, they're called Tip Drills. Uh, the lyrics go, <laughs> it must be your ass because it ain't your face. I need a tip drill. Misogyny. Thanks, Nelly. So he runs out the window and he falls onto a flagpole. And this is when you get Tweety doing the classic, uh, this little piggy went to market. Oh, look, pities. Yes. No, actually, I actually still like. I like the. I like that the, the cartoon world applies to the human here too. Yeah. Where it's like his hat. It's like right oh, yeah. there, and he's like, "Oh no!" And he drops down. And he <laughs> grabs his hat. And then when he's hanging there, he's like, "Oh look, pities." Hey, Tweety. And then Tweety walks up to him. This little pity went to the market. This, look at that. No more pities. So he starts following, and of course he uh, he's met with Bugs and Mickey. Who were on the screen at the same time because of, of contract applications. Uh, I love how Mickey's just like wearing your regular parachute and Bugs Bunny is just sitting down on a uh, like a like a, a swing set as he's falling down. And they played their own characters perfectly. Yeah. Like, oh, Bugs, he wants, a, he wants to shoot. I don't think you want it. <laughs> <laughs> give it to me. All right, Bugs, give it to him. And of course, it's a spare tire. Classic Bugs Bunny, you know? Just classic bugs. I'm going to murder you on the way to the ground. It's going to be funny, though. I mean, technically he didn't murder him. He's falling, you know, so. Oh, yeah. He then goes into an alleyway, and uh, Jessica Rabbit shoots shoots at him, but it turns out it's just Judge Doom who was about to shoot Eddie. He runs off cackling like a madman, and Jessica says she hit Roger with a frying pan so he wouldn't get hurt. He has disappeared 
The important thing to point out, he runs away like a like a cartoonish madman. Oh yeah. So they load up in a car, Jessica and Eddie, and she says that she's known it was Judge Doom since Acme told her that he'd stop at nothing to get Toontown. Well, bitch, where you been? Yeah. Where you been with this info? And he also asks what she sees in Roger. What does she say, Trey? He makes me laugh. They they hop in Benny, and then they drive through the tunnel. Doom drops Dip in the street, which causes Benny to crash. Poor guy. He's like the most innocent person. Like, he's one of the innocent guys, too, right? Like, he's just helping him out. Not involved in any of this shit. And then the weasels get out, and they, uh... They feel for the wheel inside Jessica's dress, but a steel trap comes out. Nice booby trap. Yeah. <laughs> and all they find is a love letter. The love letter that uh, Roger wrote to her. So they load up and they take them off, and uh, Roger comes out of the tunnel, and he sees Benny and tells him where Eddie and Jessica went. Uh, he then hops in the car, and he drives it. A car is driving a car, and he's using his own headlights. I love it. <laughs> With four headlights? I've heard you only need one one headlight. No, Cinderella does. Roger Adjibit needs four. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right, so Doom reveals that he has a car made to pump dip into Toontown. Uh, at this point, also, uh, Jessica Rabbit sees it. She freaks out. What does she say, Trey? Oh, my God, it's dip! You just clipped hard. <laughs> I'll fix it in post. It's fine. Doom is going to spray the entire Toontown with all of the the dip, and he's going to clear away for the city council's new freeway all the way to Pasadena. So Roger pops up uh, through a manhole and tries to save the day, but of course the weasels get the drop on him and they drop bricks on him. Classic cartoon gag. And you wouldn't know it if it hit you like a ton of bricks. And then they lift Roger and Jessica on a hook, and they're getting ready to spray both of them with the dip. This is when you get the line from Jessica Rabbit. You're better than Goofy. Well, I just like in this situation. I'm. I, I. You obviously they're in this place full of acne stuff. I'm just waiting to see like all the shit that happens. Right? There has to be like so many things that are in acne. Uh, and I felt like there was a lot more. There was a lot more WB stuff than than Disney. This, like this I said, this movie does really feel more like a Warner Brothers movie than it does a Disney. So movie much to more, me. man. And they placated to the genius of WB, or not, you know, or of Acme, than they did, I I don't know. So uh, Doom leaves to to take care of a falling injury, and Eddie gets the idea to do a routine to make the weasels laugh, because they're laughing at everything, and uh, of course we get the the comment Trey Trey said, uh, you'll laugh yourself to death like your cousins the hyenas. Uh, so then he gets the idea to start doing a like a vaudeville act where he's doing the, I guess a a, a and he's uh you know juggling stuff he's throwing things and they all start uh laughing at all the the things he was doing. You know the sad thing is that if I was a character in this movie, I'd be a fucking weasel because I would laugh at every fucking thing. Like I was just fucking, I would just be laughing at everything that went on. So it's like. God damn it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and of course, uh, kick you in the nose. And he was like, that don't rhyme with nose, but this no, does. This and he dies. kicks this the guy does. in the balls. And then they all like fly off and they all just die. Die laughing. Uh, and of course, the last one, though, managed to get the sprayer, turns it back towards the rabbits. And he tries to save the rabbits, but then, of course, Doom comes out of nowhere and he knocks them down. He pulls out a sword from his cane. And then Addy grabs a magnet that attaches him to a barrel. So he's stuck. 
He's in trouble. Hey, 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 you gonna glance over that singing singing what, sword? I didn't know what that singing sword was. Oh, blue eyes, right? Okay, thank you, Frank, Frank Sinatra. Sinatra. But like, that's a thing, though. That was that was definitely that was definitely a Looney Tunes thing. Looney Tunes definitely had a bunch of like, like in between with like no main character actors, where it was like shit like that, where it was just like Frank Sinatra singing with the huge like curly like over yeah. the top curly thing yeah. in his head, and then oh like, you they, oh 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 Frankie. Oh, oh Frankie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had completely That's completely forgotten shit. about that cartoon. So then Eddie grabs a black hole to get out of the magnet and he fights Doom. Uh, and then Doom falls in the glue and he gets himself stuck to a steamroller and it <gasps> runs him over. <gasps> yeah, that's pretty great. Pretty, f- And um, then it reveals himself to be a tune. And the eff- I love that effect. That effect is great. And then he does the, the classic cartoon thing. He goes up to an air valve and he just blows himself back up. Because that's what you do when you've been smushed. I mean, so what I would do. That was yeah. my first thought. Yeah. It's what they did in Space Jam. It's also revealed that he uh, he pulls his, his eyes out. And he's actually the tune that killed his brother all those years ago. Remember me, Eddie? When I killed your brother? I talk just like... This! I'm not gonna lie, he scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. Oh, super creepy. Yeah, oh, yeah dude. The, so the creepy. With the eyes? Yeah. Totally fucking creepy. Yeah, dude, he had knives with eyes. He had the anvil that clearly is a murder anvil. It's yeah. not a cartoon anvil. No, no, no. no. That's his murdering anvil. I thought Eddie was fucking done when he broke out that saw. And oh, it yeah. extended like 17 billion fucking feet in front of him. Like, he could, like, he's like three football fields away and he's like. Tugging on his nutsack over here with the fucking saw. Like, no, <laughs> oh, yeah. He's done. Yeah. He's done for. Yeah. Bang it out. Yeah. And then, of course, he's comes at him with that big, that handsaw, literally. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's late. It's late, guys. <laughs> I'm here all week. And then, uh, he, he goes to solve in half, but he misses, and Eddie punches the valve. And it sprays Doom with all of the dip. Uh, and of course, what do you get the I'm melting line from Doom? Yeah. And so, like, here's a, so, all right. Last, last, like, off the chart rant, I'll go on. So, I really feel like that was kind of like an homage to, like, Wizard of Oz did for the color jump, what we're about to do for the animation jump. I guess, yeah. You get what I'm saying? Because, like, the I'm melting scene so iconic. And like the, all they made, all they all they referenced this whole time was just animations. It was all cartoons. It wasn't like they were referencing any like live action. But then they choose like as the one live action they reference would be Wizard of Oz. Well, wasn't um wasn't that the first was that the first movie to go Technicolor too? Uh, it wasn't the first movie, I don't think, but it was like one of the first. Eddie washes away all the dip and lowers the 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 rabbits down. So then the cops show up immediately, and Eddie tells him that all about Doom. Uh, and all the cartoons show up, and Roger wrote his love letter on Mr. Acme's wheel. Uh, it was a disappearing ink wheel because he was a joker to the end. Disappearing slash reappearing ink. Oh, yes, that's right. Disappearing slash reappearing. So do we figure out like what it takes for it to re- Is it like 24 hours? Time. Time, because they time? did it right. They, I, I, okay. so, well, no, because he wrote the wheel before he wrote his shirt. Right, so uh, that's what I'm wondering. Is like, what is it? Does it is it like... Heat from like being in a pressure situation. No, it's, t- it's like, definitely time. It, it goes invisible. Then after a certain period of time, I'm going with time with Tyler. I think time too. But he definitely wrote the wheel before he uh, like blew his load on his shirt. Yeah. Well, it came. It was revealed at the same time, so maybe the wheel was written right before that. Eddie kisses 
uh, Roger on the lips. Uh, he got his manhood back. And Porky does his that's all folks line. And that's the that's, movie. To go back to point out how uh, WB and uh, Disney tried to stay together, it was Porky and uh, uh, Tinkerbell on that scene together. Yeah. Even though Tinkerbell was just flying by to say bye. No. But of course, she does that on a lot of the Disney movies at the end. You know. No, no, no. It made sense. It, it made perfect sense. But it was that proof of, yeah, equal collaboration. All right. So let's do the ratings. Tyler. I'll give it an eight, man. I enjoyed it. Um... I don't know, man. I don't, I'm not going to give it like a freaking crazy rating like Trey, but it's a fun movie. It's a lot of fun. It, it does some things that no other movie does, and that's bringing WB and Looney Tunes together. I just, you know, I, I, I grew up watching both, so it's really cool to watch them on screen together and have it, you know, be the Space Jam before Space Jam. But that's true. Yeah. Space Jam's a 10, and this is an 8. <laughs> oh, my. Okay. Well, I'm gonna jump in here. Look, I, I I forgot how great I forgot how much I enjoyed this movie. Um, it, it, it I'm not gonna I'm gonna give it pro, I'm gonna give it eight and a half, just because like it's it just it's just it's just so good. Like as soon as I started watching it again, like I literally just like I couldn't tear myself away from it. It's just so entertaining to me. And, uh, you know, it's funny, like, there's so many puns, you know, and, it, and it's a good thing because it's like, it's an adult movie, but it's a cartoon, right? Oh, yeah. Now, I mean, like, it's, it is, it is what, like, Pixar movies are now, right? Where, like, it is like an adult, it's a cartoon that you can go watch, but there's still, like, some adult attractiveness to it. Definitely. Uh, man, I, I, I've always loved it. I loved it the first time I saw it when I was a kid. Uh, you know, and to this day, I think it's, I think it's, I think it stands alone as, uh, as, as, as kind of a groundbreaking, a groundbreaking movie. You know, nobody's going to recognize it as that, but like, I mean, it's a groundbreaking movie in the fact that like it takes two genres and, and leads us into, you know, future endeavors. So, well, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm just saying like, it just, it's a, it, it, it really is, it's entertaining all the way through, and I mean, like some of the things, like I, I, I admitted, as soon as he did the, um, there's some jokes there that I know that are coming up, because they're, they're just cartoon jokes. Yeah, right. Still made me laugh. Hundred percent agree. It still made me laugh, and it's just like because, and you're like, I'm watching a movie, but I'm laughing at it like it's a cartoon. Uh, so it, that's always going to be like kind of the the lasting memory for this movie for mm-hmm. me. It like, just made me laugh like a kid, even though it's a, it's supposed to be a. A movie, you know, yeah. uh, it's a, it's an adult theme movie, but yeah, so it's a great movie. Right. Trey, what are you saying? So, um, <clears throat> what makes this movie like really special to me is just like I think there was nothing that was done like it before it was done, uh, and which is super awesome to me in my opinion. But like on top of that, like it has a certain scenario where it, it, it could do something movies can't do today. They decided to incorporate Disney and WB characters, which yeah, everybody knows Bugs and Mickey and all them, but like not like it was back then. They didn't pump out new characters for your kids to enjoy. Mickey and Daffy and Bugs and that whole Looney Tunes and Disney core team were like the same cartoons that your your parents watched when and then you watched when you were in the eighties. You know what I mean? Like it didn't really start changing until like the early 2000s, late 90s, yeah, they were able to do something where it was able to cap use the exact same characters and capture both sides of the audience and, and still like totally wrap them into the story and, and like make them feel like have that nostalgia feeling, but at the same time still enjoy what, what their, their kids are watching as well, which I don't think you could do now. Yeah. But with all that being said, I, once again, I can't even tell you the first time I watched this movie because like it's just always been a part of my life. 
And to me, like all the jokes that are slapstick that I usually love, but I know like they're bad jokes. They're perfect <laughs> in this movie. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's just designed to be good jokes in this movie because like they're able to like like walk that line. And I will say this is uh this is a ten for me. I had a feeling you were coming at the coming in yeah, hot. Yeah, I mean, like I I I have very few movies that are tens, even though we've I've already had two. But like those are <laughs> two of my very like, my few my few select group, and these are two of them for sure. This is Street doubt. Fighter, really, bro? Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> for me, I'm I'm giving this movie an eight and a half. Like I said, I, I grew up with this movie. I've seen it a million times, and I kind of appreciate it very differently than I was a kid. You know. Like I just kind of lost, but now I look at the the, the technical aspects of it, I'm like, holy shit, this is crazy! Like they've been doing people in animation, like look at just bed knobs and broomsticks or Mary Poppins. They've been doing this kind of thing for forever, but this time it actually felt like you know Dick Van Dyke never felt like he was in that world ever. Uh, Bob Hoskins absolutely felt like he was in that that cartoon world. Absolutely, it wasn't just overlapped animation. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And just you felt like you were really in that world, and that's what really makes this movie as good as it is. Um, so like I said, it's eight and a half is what I'm giving it. I think this is a really good movie. Um, I think that's going to wrap it up for my review. So next week we are doing, Tom, what are we doing next week? Or next episode? Man puts a gun in your face, you got two choices. Stand there and die, or kill the motherfucker. We're going Roadhouse. Roadhouse. Grab your PBRs. <laughs> And get ready to throw them at the chicken wire, because we got a good one coming at you next That's going to be fun, man. I think yeah. I might drink next uh, next episode. So until that time comes, I'm Jason with Tyler, Tom, and Trey. This has been Direct to VHS Podcast. Uh, if you could give us a like and review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, that would be great. Uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks. Later, guys. Thanks, guys. Later. Hey, Jason. Yeah. I hope I can make you make your play pot. We're not doing guys. Shut up. No, it doesn't happen to every man, and yes, it is a big deal, Trey.